Guys, mental health is something that Dan and I are extremely passionate about, which is why it excites us to say that we are partnering with BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode and our podcast. BetterHelp is the world's leading therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professional and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash BacksideGroundBalls. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash BacksideGroundBalls. Welcome back to episode 115 of the Backside Ground Balls podcast. Super excited to be back here on the pod. My name is Trevor Powers, and I am joined on this fine Sunday evening by my co-host, Dan Galati. Dan, it's finally that time of year. And no, I don't mean playoff baseball. I mean that time of year where we have to sit here and justify and explain ourselves for what we mean when we talk about the three-run home run again. So we're going to start this off. I'm catching you a little off guard here, but we're going to go a little philosophical on our listeners because I felt like the this was the best time to do it out front before we get into our breakdowns, before we talk about the playoffs, because it's going to be something that's going to come out of the both of our mouths several times throughout this podcast. What wins in the playoffs, Dan? Good pitching and three-run homers. Um, and what specifically about good pitching? Well, two good starting pitchers in a, in, a, in a bullpen that has good stuff, is my opinion. Good stuff. Stuff is the word I was looking for there. So for any of our listeners who might not have been here last October of, of 2022, one thing that Dan and I are going to come back to several times throughout the playoffs here is – the importance of the three-run home run specifically because there's not a single pitcher across baseball that will not give up a home run occasionally, right? The ability to hit those multi-run home runs. Statistics tell you the team that out-homers, the other team is more likely to win by a large percentage point. Uh, I don't know exactly the numbers off the top of my head. Bad stats and info out of out of our, our intern right now. We need some AI to draw that up right now. But when you start talking about the multi-home run, the two-run, the three-run, the grand slam, the teams that can stack a bloop, a walk, and a blast are going to put themselves, no matter who they're facing, when you're facing Spencer Strider, whether you're facing um, – I just drew both Cy Young candidates who are not going to be playing in October, so we'll kind of gloss over that. Justin Verlander, no matter who you're playing, elite reliever, number one, number two, number three, number four across baseball that has this elite swing and miss stuff. All of them will give up home runs occasionally. The teams that can hit the three-run home run the most are going to put themselves in a position to win more times than not. So, Dan, I, I, got it. I had to get that off my chest. I had to get that out there right away before we talk about anything playoff baseball-wise, is how important the three-run home run is. I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, you see it every single year. I think I, – I mean, I said it probably 15 times on the on the last episode when we were talking – kind of wrapping up the season. And, yeah, the Kansas City Royals won a World Series in 2015 and whatever. Um, that's like the one team that doesn't do it. Every other team that is the blueprint, that's been the blueprint for at least the last seven years, and it'll be the blueprint again this year. Um, so we'll see. 
Yeah, I think that's that's one thing. And again, it's not it's not exactly like the most predictable thing. It's not like when we sit here and we we tap into okay, well, who's going to win? Well, it's just this like like the Braves per se. Like obviously, we both think that the Braves have a phenomenal chance to to make a deep run at it because of their talent. Because you know, just you blink and last day of the season, Marcelo Zuna hits his fortieth home run, and you're just like. Dude, how many guys can you stack that are going to hit forty and and challenge challenge the fence? So obviously, with that lineup, you you'd think about that team as probably the most well rounded power hitting team. But again, it's timely home runs, right? They could hit three home runs in a game, but if it's not stacked after a a walk, a single, or those obviously repetitive base hits into a home run, base runners into a home run, it's the timely hitting. So any team can do this. Teams like Tampa Bay, teams like Baltimore, teams like even Milwaukee that have a couple guys that can challenge the fences. It's the timeliness of it. But big picture wise, the team that's going to be able to hit the most multi-run home runs is going to be in a position to win. We'll keep track of this stuff as we go through the playoffs, as we recap series. We're probably going to circle a home run. Hey, remember that Jose Altuve home run off of this reliever in this situation? Wasn't that a big swing? Yeah, well, it was a two-run home run in, in a big situation in a close game. Those one swing of the bat that can just put multiple runs on the board, it just completely changes the dynamic of the game and and obviously the outcome. It just, I mean, you flip a, a game on on its head in 15 seconds that's it as long as the ball takes to get out of the ballpark yeah i mean i <laughs> that's exactly that's what the, that's what playoff baseball is all about like baseball is such a you know unlike football where you're lining up across from someone and and if you have the bigger stronger faster guys it's pretty hard for the other team to do anything in baseball any any man with a bat is dangerous um that's kind of what i always said when i was game planning back when I was, I was coaching, it was like, well, yeah, this team's offensive numbers don't look good and we should be fine. We should have the advantage today, but anybody that walks into a batter's box with a bat is, is dangerous. I mean, and, and so to be able to shift momentum and swing momentum with one swing is so important this time of year, because as you've also pointed out is, is, you know, ACE caliber pitchers are liable to get clipped. If you're, if you have to go into a game and say the only way we can, you know, score because this is how we're built is by stringing three, four hits together. And you're having to face, let's look at some of these teams here. If you're having to face Brandon or Brandon Corbin Burns, or you're having to face Zach Wheeler or Zach Gallen, or, you know, you can go on and on and on Pablo Lopez of Minnesota or, or any of the millions of arms, the Rays run out there, or, you know, Nathan Avaldi, it's hard to, 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 do that. It's hard to get four straight hits off of those guys. Those guys are too good. Their stuff is too well, good. But if you and can even get let me, a walk and a single and a homer. Well, and I, even let me point this out. All of those guys hover around one in whip, right? This is literally quantifying right. what we're talking about, right? Whip is obviously an important stat that we talk about on the, on, you know, when we analyze stats and analyze pitchers, but it is hard to get one walk or hit against these guys. You think right. you're stringing together four or five and putting three on the board? No, you have to hold your breath that you are going to get, you know, a walk, a hit, and a home run in three outs one time and hope that that's the difference between what your pitchers give up and what, what the other teams don't, right? And being able to limit the, maximize those opportunities when you have runners on base is the biggest thing because these guys don't habitually, they don't give up six hits in an inning. They don't give up seven. They don't give up eight. Nothing, it doesn't unravel on these guys. Very rarely, they're too talented. They're too good. If they attack in the strike zone with their stuff, you have to take it when you can get three hits in an inning. They have to be maximized. Three singles and you put one on run on the board, that might be the last you get off of a Corbin Burns before you're packing your bags heading back to the clubhouse for, for game two. Yeah, and, and some of these – like a guy like Burns specifically, like if if you can blink and it can be like game's over. Like you can look up and you go, we're in the seventh inning and we got nothing. We've had two base runners and – we're down four nothing, and that four those four runs in the playoffs feel like a million. Now, it's it, it's you know, there's the emotions are obviously high when it comes playoff time. So that's another reason why those homers are so important because like they can feel like a dagger in the fourth inning. You hit a big two three run home run, it can feel like a, a dagger to the other team and and to the guy on the mound. And 
you know, you can, again, you just, you can flip the game on the head and, and it's so important. And, and okay, sure. Let's say you do string four hits together. Well, you have one run, but if I give you a, a walk, a single and a homer, that's three runs on, on two hits. Yeah. Like that, <laughs> that, and it can happen in the blink of an eye. I mean, it's, it's yeah. you see it every year in the playoff. I mean, it happens. All, I mean, look, the, the, the Padres, I'll go back to the Phillies because obviously it's on my mind. They're going into the playoffs here. Last year in game five, the, the Padres go up in the eighth inning. And then it's the bottom of the eighth. They have Suarez on the mound, who was all world set up guy last year. Real Muto gets on. Here comes Bryce Harper. And it's like, okay, it's a single. He's got to get all the way from first to, to home. If that's, you know, a guy who doesn't have power coming to the plate, that's going to, like that inning Bryson might Stott. not have gone anywhere. Yeah, Bryson Stott's coming up. He's now got to find a way to move him. You're hoping he can get a single. You're hoping he can work a walk. Bryce Harper comes up, two strikes, boom, Padres, you're going home. Your season's over. Like, yeah. One swing, Bryce Harper just ended your season. That quick. Citizens Bank is about to fall through the ground. Like, like that, that is why you need those guys. And that's why when you look at the Braves, and we're going to get into it, I'm sure, as we move along, and we won't talk too much about them until we get to the DSs. But like, there's like seven of those guys on the Braves. Yeah. Seven. And of they them. don't strike out. And not to mention like Ronald Acuna out. this year. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Harris, Ronald Acuna, those guys strike out less than 15% of the time. It's like, and, and, it's not like they're coming up there waving at balls and hoping and, and praying. It's like, no, these guys bang. They put balls in play hard. They almost, they had over a hundred more balls hit at 110 plus this year than the next closest team. Like they just do ever, they're just clobber the ball and it's going to put them in a scenario because you never know Zach Wheeler makes one mistake against one of those hitters in a DS and I know we're getting our head of ourselves Phillies aren't guaranteed to make a DS but let's just say hypothetically and it flips the game on its head Ronald Acuna catches a a, a hanging slider with two runners on and boom game out you it's hard to come back from that and at the example I'll use and this will probably be the last thing we talk about here and, and it was kind of not my aha moment, but I know I've talked about it off air with you and with some other people with like, how important is the home run in playoff baseball? And when we were at, I mean, it carries in college. We've seen the home run kind of what you could call um, jump across college baseball, but we were playing Hassan in the first round of the NCAA regionals. We were the home team. Our starting pitcher goes punchy, punchy, solo home run, punchy, quick inning, Four and a half minutes, maybe through like 12 pitches. They're up one, nothing. We're like, okay, great. Our leadoff hitter gets on all American type player, move him over, or he steals second, move him over, ground ball, guy in, hard hit, you know, line drive right at somebody, you know, single, and then like just hard ground ball right out somebody. We went through six hitters to score one run. They went through four hitters, had three punch outs and scored. I was like, I remember looking up at the scoreboard and got like our inning took like 20 minutes. And I was like, and it, you know, we were working hard for that one run. And and we obviously, that was kind of how our offense was built, but it, it was just like, man, we worked so hard for that one. And they stunk and, and scratched one through because they had a guy who could challenge the fence. And, and it was one of those moments where I was like, wow, like, you know, it matters, right? You flip it, you get momentum. You're always in a game because you never know when, when a guy is going to, is going to catch one flush and, and trot around the bases and, and completely flip a game on its head and, and change the dynamic of, of a game. But I just wanted to get that out there. We're going to get philosoph- philosophical on you guys to start this podcast because it is it is playoff time and it's playoff time of year, which is why it's super important to check out our friends over at SeatGeek. Dan and I would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors at SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a mobile ticketing app that allows users to buy and sell tickets to sports games, concerts, and other live events. SeatGeek would like to give our listeners $20 off their first purchase. All you have to do is head over to SeatGeek.com and use our promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL. That's BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to get $20 off your first purchase. That's SeatGeek.com, promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL for $20 off your first purchase. So Dan, let's get a little bit into, let's just kind of lay, lay out the the matchups that we have and how the playoffs are going to unfold in front of us. And obviously some things have changed um, over the last couple of days since we last posted an episode, which was on, on Friday, this one will be coming out on Monday. So 
the Braves and Dodgers in the National League are going to get the buys. They got the one and two seed. Milwaukee settled in at that three, as we expected. Philadelphia had clinched the four at that point in time. And here's where it gets a little bit weird. That say a Suzuki drop fly ball in Atlanta seemed to creep up and, and obviously be the be the dooming destiny of the Chicago Cubs that we've come so well to know over their history. They end up missing the playoffs. Miami comes up with a big weekend, obviously playing really good baseball. They are in the five. They're going to head to Philadelphia on Tuesday. And then Arizona is the six seed. They're going to head to Milwaukee. So what are your initial thoughts as we kind of look at that field? And, and obviously with the with the Cubs collapse, the Marlins playing good ball and, and matching up with the Phils. Yeah, I think the Cubs are the story, right? I think that's what everyone's talking about. I think it was I saw something somewhere. September 6th, Fangraphs had them at a 98% chance to get in. And then they just, 92%, sorry, yeah. 98 would have been a little extreme. Um, they, they just, they cratered. And, you know, it was the concern that we've been talking about in the beginning of the year. And, and we didn't talk much about the Cubs this year because, you know, uh, until late they hadn't, you know, they went got really hot in the second half there. And, and then September rolled around and, you know, the pitching, you know, they didn't get timely hits and the, the, the pitching kind of was their doom, right? They, there were so many games where they had build leads. I mean, just yesterday when they're still fighting for a playoff spot the day they get eliminated, they're up 6 nothing on the Brewers who don't even really much have much to play for. They had already locked up their division. They blow a 6 nothing lead and, and, and get, you know, eventually get bounced. And, and like you said, credit to the Marlins. They've somehow find themselves in this position. I mean, look, I don't look at run differential. Isn't the end all be all, but I have a hard time remembering the last time a team had a negative 56 run differential and was in the playoffs, like 84 wins, negative 56 run differential. And and here they are in the playoffs. And, and I don't know, it's going to be interesting, but you know, it'll be fun to see see Arizona. I think Arizona's a little bit overmatched, but it's good to see those guys get in. I think this is kind of the beginning of their, their postseason window um, moving forward. Obviously, they have a really young core. So it'll be fun to see them in the playoffs. I think that uh, you know Milwaukee's pitching, though. I won't spoil too much, but Milwaukee's pitching might be a little too much for them. Yeah, definitely. It's with Miami and both and Arizona, really, it's the – it's the flaws of an expanded playoff, right? I mean, we talked about this on the phone. Miami's sitting currently, what, 84 wins, 86 wins, 80, uh, whatever 84 and it, 77. 84 and 77. In, in 1997, the year I was born, two teams from each league made the playoffs. And an 84 team would probably be considering firing their manager and, and doing a complete overhaul of their roster, right? Like that's just kind of how we are in baseball where we've expanded playoffs hoping that, you know, it entice – owners to spend and obviously creates more TV time, which we'll talk about the TV schedule that looks awesome for this week. Um, But as we go over to the American League, we have Baltimore and Houston. Houston. The Houston Astros get the two seed. It's everyone's worst nightmare. Literally, you could not draw this up any worse for anybody outside of a an Astros fan right outside of the, the great city in Texas. Like this team basically sleeps, walks through the first three months of the season starts to play good ball. Seems like they're collapsing through the second half and they still find a way to get to 90 wins and win the AL West and put Texas in a horrible position, quite frankly, having to head to Tampa Bay and try to go into the sleepy trap, get a base tan on Tuesday morning, and then head in and try to try to face those guys that they're going to be throwing. Like this could not have gone any worse for a Texas Rangers fan, a Texas Rangers team. Now Houston's going to get some rest. They're going to be able to line up their pitching however they want, and we're going to be sitting there obviously talking about the team that, according to Fangraphs, has the second highest odds to win the World Series because like we talked about before on the last episode, they're probably the most talented. They're probably the best lineup. They're probably the best bullpen combination with pitching staff and and even with the guys that have struggled, there's no doubt about that. But that I don't even know if I would consider it a collapse. They won four straight to end the season, right? Like you win four straight to end the season. I what could Texas do? I know there's some people that were talking about how Houston had a nice little champagne toast last night. Texas seemed to celebrate a lot more. Houston won today. Texas didn't. That was kind of the icing on the season right there. And and 
Houston ends up the AL West champs, which is just not what we expected coming into the weekend. Number three seed Minnesota is going to play host to the Toronto Blue Jays, which would be a, will be a really fun series to keep an eye on. And then obviously Tampa Bay plays host to Texas Rangers, as we obviously already mentioned. So Dan, what are your kind of thoughts about how that field um, unfolded? And, and if you have any thoughts about Houston as well. Yeah. I mean, the juju of the, the Rangers celebrating the way they did, I, I they did this to themselves, in my opinion. I know it's kind of crazy. I'm not using any analytical thinking here or any sound baseball reasoning, but like, I I hated that move. I hated that move. I didn't like it. It's bizarre. Um, and I get it. It's been a while since you've been there, but the job wasn't finished. And, and I know Houston won four straight, but Texas loses three or four to Seattle, who was obviously fighting for their playoffs hopes until last uh, Saturday night when they lost. But yeah, I... I you can't go to Seattle and lose three or four. And, and, you know, they had a really bad August. I think it was, was it was August, right? When was it July or August that Texas like really lost their grip on this division and it became a three team race. And, you know, every, all three of those teams kind of had it, had it like at least a couple days in first and yeah, bad news for, for Texas having to go to Tampa. That's not going to be easy. Um, weird things happen at the trop. Um, and Houston's going to have a buy and, and I'm going to have a hard time seeing anyone beat them. Anyone. Not well rested. Until they get to the world series. No, yeah. Not well rested. No. Like, because I don't care. And, and again, we said this time and time again, like some of these rosters are built for this and sure. Framber hasn't been great. Javier hasn't been great. Like it doesn't matter now. Like it's such an old cliche, you know, like it doesn't matter when you get to the play. It doesn't like those guys get rolling Framberg gets a little confidence, whatever. He finds something. Maybe it's just the stage. He's a little extra focused. His first start of the playoffs, Verlander has done it year in and year out now recently with them. Like, Jordan is healthy. Like, I don't I don't know. I, Tucker went for 30-30. Like, yeah, they're good. Like, I, again, like, it's like, how do you – okay, sure, they didn't win 104 this year, but – it's the same team. It feels like, and, and yeah, how do, you, I hate, how, how do you beat them in a seven game series? Yeah, I hate to be that guy, but literally the only thing that's going to hold them back is Dusty Baker playing guys like Martin Maldonado at, instead of uh, Diaz and and not giving Chaz McCormick like platoon right. platooning Chaz McCormick like that. In terms of roster, I mean, they've basically wasted reps for a catcher that just because Martin Maldonado, quote unquote handles the staff better okay that's that's that is what it is but i guess our saving grace at this point in time is that they do they they could get a tough matchup in in round two but again you're you're right like i have a hard time imagining how this uh doesn't end up with houston in in an enviable position again um for for time you know, what feels like a thousand. So, but before we get into the wild card uh, round previews, um, let's take a second to thank our friends over at BetterHelp. Maintaining your mental health is super important, but finding the right mental health services for you can be difficult. BetterHelp provides an easier way to get professional help. BetterHelp connects you with a therapist custom picked for you and has flexible scheduling all at a more affordable price and from the comfort of your home. BetterHelp would like to give our listeners 10% off their first month. All you have to do is head over to betterhelp.com slash backside ground balls to get that 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash backside ground balls for 10% off your first month. So Dan, I, I don't want to spend too much more time obviously talking about we'll get to the Braves, we'll get to the Dodgers, we'll get to Baltimore, and we'll get to Houston. I want to really focus this episode and, and what we talk about on the previews of the wild card round. For anybody who is looking for an excuse to tune into some live streams on their work days on Tuesday and Wednesday, as it stands right now at 3.08 all Eastern time, uh, we have Texas, who's going to be battling it out with Tampa Bay. And then at 438, we have Toronto versus Minnesota. So you're going to have to go dual screen there. And then we have at 708, we have Arizona playing Milwaukee. And then at 808, we have Miami and Philly. And then the same exact schedule for the next day. So, Dan, what is your Tuesday and Wednesday going to be in terms of productivity in the afternoon at work? 
There isn't going to be any. There'll be no productivity. And I would just like to say I love Major League Baseball for the 08s. There's nothing better. Yeah. It's, be- it's a thing of beauty. Time for the lineups to be, you know, got to announce the lineups. Guys run out. Got to do an anthem on field. Ceremonial first pitches. Pitcher's got to take his time getting ready. We'll, we'll every, I, I almost promise you every single one of these games will start at 08. Yeah. It's like nostalgic too, like looking at the the 08 on the time. Like that's how you know it's time. And you like – you know like – I mean I know they're not on – because it looks like ESPN must own the rights of the All wild the card. Wild card, yep. um, But like last year, really as, as early as last year, I guess that, that must have just changed in terms of these TV contracts. But like you know it's like a TBS game, a TNT game. Like you got all these yeah. different like networks handling yeah, you it. Gotta make sure which I'm you surprised have they have as much overlap as they do with ESPN owning all of these, um, especially with shortened games. I'm surprised they didn't try to, to start one of them at one, one of them at four, maybe a seven, I, and I then maybe I, like – I didn't think they wanted to get one. I Five. think when you look at the teams that are in the wild card round, the teams you would justify playing later, I don't think are going to draw the eyes um, as much. You knew they were going to stick the Florida team. Like you, Tampa was n- always going to be first. Oh, they're they always wanna, first. They're going to yeah. hide the trop as much as possible. Yeah, and and you know they're going to worry that that place is even going to be sold out. It will be, um, but they'll always worry that it won't be. So you knew they were going to be first. Minnesota's kind of, you know, I feel like those teams always get the short, the short end of the, the always, when it yeah. comes to the, so I, I, and I just don't think they wanted to start anything at one o'clock because of, you know, middle of the week. Yeah, that's fair. I just think you could have, you could have March Madness this thing and, and had baseball fans dialed into, to every waking minute of their Tuesday and Wednesday at, at work and, and, because that's always that's everybody's like there's nothing and this is just a side note there's nothing quite like March Madness time of year it was in in middle school we'd be checking the scores then you get into high school and we had the iPads and like that just created mayhem when we were just able to prop open the iPad at the front of the desk and and have March Madness just on the tube and then even in work like your boss will walk by you during March Madness and just be like, did you see the end of that game? Crazy. It's like, <laughs> dude, it's like 1238 on a Wednesday, but heck yeah, I did. You should know by now that I'm not being productive. Come on now. But yeah, there's not like, there. that's just like the best. It's the only day where it's excusable to ask your boss if, if he saw the game during the day at work and, and you knew it was on his TV. Yeah. Um, sports, in the middle of the week during the day uh, is there's nothing better as someone who, you know, when you get into the, to the, the real world and, and you're working a job to be able to have like, you know, an extra screen going, still getting your work done, being productive, but to have that, to have a, some sort of sporting event on like at, the world cup was fantastic this year in the winter. Cause those games were at like 7am and it was like, Oh good time to start the work day and turn on a soccer game. And, um, It'll have you watching some weird sports, golf, tennis. Like you get into it because it's like, well, it's on. I might as well throw it on while I'm getting work done. But yeah, this is this is different because it'll be a little bit more distracting. But there's nothing. There really isn't anything better. I can't wait. I mean, it's going to be fun. And again, I said this the other night. I, I love regular season, so I'm a little sad it's over now. Like today was, you know, day 162, and that's some, that's we won't get another 15 game baseball slate until next uh, March. But this is yeah, this, but the- this, this helps you get over it. I, see, I never said anything when when you mentioned that on the last pod, but like the juice of a playoff baseball yes. game, oh, it's great! Like the, the sounds, buzz yeah, the, when the yes. camera p- kicks in, yeah. like that's when baseball becomes exciting to me, right? Because like that's honestly during the spring, I spend a lot more time watching college baseball on weekends than I do, especially Friday nights, than I do pro baseball because of that. Like, there's yeah. something about a buzz that comes with baseball i mean it's it's very um just reminiscent of the other sports that have that excitement that come with it you know like a hockey playoff game when the camera kicks in and and they got the overhead view coming down and you're just like and you can feel the energy i that isn't like an early a late or an early october day and you like just flip on the tube it goes right from a from a Burger King commercial right to the freaking stadium and it's rocking and it's freaking got the music going and, and everything like that is that's what that's where I was kind of like like I'm with you with most sports like regular season all day when it when 
the the postseason kicks on and and you get that freaking energy at at stadiums like you know crazy fans like New York and and obviously those fan bases that are just rocking at all times. It's like this is unbelievable. It's like I, I saw one guy I forget who was playing, but like we had a a pitcher wearing some long sleeves last week, and I was like it's that time of year again. Like, like he just, just cause the guy was wearing long sleeves. I was like, yeah, like, you know, the best baseball's on when guys are rocking long sleeves. Like you just yeah, like it's cold it's yeah. the chills in the air, like everything about it. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. I, I hear you. I I'm, I, there's just something about me. Like I, I love it. Don't get me wrong. It's just a different type of love. Like the, the companionship of regular season baseball for me of every night in the summer, it's late. It's light out late. Like that's I to, to me. There's just I know you don't watch as much regular season MLB as me, and and I get I get why I truly understand it, and I feel like I'm it's a grind. I am yeah, it's a grind, and I'm on the other side of it. Like everyone would agree with you. Like I think I think the majority of people would agree with you, but for me, like <clears throat> I I don't know. It's just what I grew up on. It's just like having See, it on every I- night, and now it's like as there's less games, less teams. Now don't get me wrong, I will love this, and I will watch every second of it, and the excitement yeah. of it. It's so much fun, and I used to love, you know, even when I was a player, being on teams or then coaching and, and being and like everyone's talking about it the next day, like that's that's a lot of you know where like no one in the summer like I'm not talking to anybody about the Brewers Pirates June fifteenth game yeah you know I mean, there's no discussion about that I, so that makes it more fun for sure I will say that that I do I get what you're saying because with the summer and everything that comes with that. I think of that when you think of the all-star game. So if you associate that with like every game, every night yeah. where you're like out in the hot sun, you're hanging out by the pool, you're hanging out with the friends and you like all shut it down you grab a quick dinner. And then like, you know, you just pop on the couch and watch the home run derby. Like that's where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I get that. And it's like still a little sunny out at like yeah. eight forty-five, nine o'clock yeah. and you, you're already deep in the, yeah, no, I, I 100%. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I could see that if, if I watched and every, if that was kind of my companionship with the like game of this, baseball, I could this, see how that's positive. This year, like just think about this summer, just like me and you midweek on like the, the eighth fairway talking about like just scrolling through the scores, like, Oh, you know, yeah, this game's doing this. Like that's, there's, that's the best to me. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I got you. I got you. So let's get into our, our wild card round predictions. Um, we'll start here in Milwaukee um, where the diamondbacks are going to be heading to Milwaukee to take on the Brewers. We obviously on our episode from Friday, give the Brewers a, a little bit of shine there. I, I, I could probably imagine where both of our heads are going to go here, but I'll ask you, Dan, what, where, what's kind of the X factor in this Milwaukee and Arizona series? Yeah, I, I don't think you can talk about the series without just thinking about the massive gap between the starting pitching of both teams. I mean, just the, the, the sheer stuff and, frankly, experience um, that Milwaukee has over – Arizona starters. I mean, they're going to roll out. I don't know if they've, they've, I haven't seen if they've announced it. I'm sure they have, but they're probably going to go Burns. Uh, I think Burns Peralta Woodruff. Um, and just that, you know, Zach Gallen threw on Saturday, so he can't throw till Wednesday, I think, right? Because he'd have Sunday, or he threw Friday. He threw Friday, one of those days. He can't throw till game two. Merrill Kelly, yeah. Gallen through Friday, Merrill Kelly through Saturday. They're their two best arms by far. They were trying to lock up the five seed. They didn't get it. So now they're going to have to roll, you know, there's the, the mismatch and in the three game series, having that mismatch in game one, everything points towards Milwaukee. Now it'll be interesting to see because Arizona, it, it, you know, that offense, if they can get anything going and if any of those guys from Milwaukee don't have the zone early and Arizona can cause some havoc, you never know. And Milwaukee's offense isn't the best, but I think they definitely have enough to score to beat Arizona considering what their pitchers are going to do and, and, like I mentioned earlier, when we were talking about you know just the stuff of pitching not being able to hit the long ball, you could Arizona could look up and it could be the seventh inning already on Tuesday, and Corbin Burns has just cruised, and it's like, well, we're down four or five nothing, and this game's probably over. We're going to have to try and win the next two. Yeah, I think these two teams are are I guess polar opposites. Quite frankly, it's like, what are the Diamondbacks' biggest question marks, especially with out the guarantee that you're going to get gallon within, you know, at least game one, obviously is pitching. 
You know, where do they go in the bullpen? Who's their go-to guy? Who's a dominant guy? They they really don't have any. And then outside of Gallon in the rotation, it, it's a lot of patchwork. The Brewers are literally built around stuff, 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 and more stuff. I mean, you you pull up their forty man, not even just their active roster. You're, their forty man, and it's like Burns. You know, guy who throws a hundred, guy who throws a hundred, guy who throws a hundred, guy who throws a hundred. Like it's like you just go down this list, and it's like, and then not to mention Woodruff, Peralta, Devin Williams. Like all of these guys are really good. And then lineup wise, it's like you know, what the Diamondbacks have been. Yeah, they've hit some home runs this year, but athletic, defense first, speed guys. They're going to impact the game that way. Obviously, Christian Walker is a guy who can kind of change the game in that way. And then the the Brewers are the opposite. It's like either home run or, or clog it up, right? Walker, home run, three true outcomes. So it'll be really interesting to see kind of these the, this attrition war of attrition that these two teams are going to play with each other. But, you know, I just think the X factor comes down to the pitching and how it's going to line up. The fact that the Brewers have been able to rest their pitchers, skip their starts this weekend, and then be able to line them up however they see fit, right? If they, if they want to roll in, you know, Devin Williams probably going to be well-rested. Obviously, Abner Uribe is going to be able to come out and give them a couple innings. And then plus what Freddie Peralta has been, I, I just think the X factor right there is just simply just how good the pitching is of the Brewers compared to the, what the Diamondbacks have set up. And I, I don't know if the Diamondbacks, I mean, house money is a thing. And, and that's one thing that we should keep in mind because this Diamondbacks team has nothing to lose. The Brewers kind of Corbin Burns is getting closer. David Stearns is already out the door. Craig Council, I mean, Buck Showalter, like what are the distractions in Milwaukee at this point in time that could trip them up? Diamondbacks, I mean, Corbin Carroll and, and, and company are, are there for the foreseeable future. They ain't going nowhere. Um, so Dan, I'll, I'll ask you right here. What's your, what's your gut feel and, and, and how are you feeling with this one? I think it's going to be a little tighter than than maybe expected just because Milwaukee's offense, you never know. And game two, they are going to get Gallon, and then game three, they'll get Merrill Kelly. But I just, it's, it's, to me, it's the Brewers, and, and they might win this in two. If they can get to, you know, even if they can just keep it close and get to Arizona's bullpen in the Gallon start, I think that's good. I mean, I would imagine they're going Ryan Nelson. He's thrown 144 innings this year. He struck out 96. Like when I look at that and we're talking about the playoffs, it's like, that's not a good recipe, not to mention he's got an ERA that's almost five and a half. Like, against Corbin Burns, like, that's just – you don't you don't see – I don't really see a way they can really win game one. Now, me saying that means I'm probably going to be wrong, but I think the Brewers potentially sweep this series. Yeah, I, I, I think with that matchup that you just talked about, like, the Brewers take me as the team that as we watch through this playoffs and, and the longer they play, it's the more opportunities for us to be proven accurate or wrong on this. But I just feel like anytime they have a mismatch in terms of just a below average starting pitcher that lines up with them, that screams five to seven runs for their offense. Like I feel like if there's anything that this offense with the veterans that they have, with the pieces that they have is going to do, it's going to be take advantage of a guy like Ryan Nelson who doesn't miss bats, who has a five four yard. Like I feel like they're not gonna they're not gonna have a bad game against an, an arm like that. I could be completely wrong there, but that's just where I feel like this kind of turns on its head. I'm with you. Um I think that it's gonna come down I, I I think the Brewers have a chance to win the World Series, so I, I don't think that it's going to be the Diamondbacks that trip them up. Wild card baseball is weird. It's yeah, always it weird. It's going to be weird as we go through these. We could go 0 for 4 for all we know. That's something to keep in mind with all this. But I think on paper, in terms of how things line up, I mean, it's the Brewers, and I, I don't even know um, where without Gallon being available in game one, where the – Diamondbacks are able to get momentum to win that second game. So um, as we head into the American League series here, uh, this is one that, that I'm quite frankly really excited about. I, I actually think in terms of the series and, and how evenly matched they are, it, it's probably the most evenly matched series out of all of them. It's the Minnesota Twins are taking on the Toronto Blue Jays. Obviously, the Toronto Blue Jays are coming out of the tough American League East. Um, they ended up finishing behind Baltimore and Tampa Bay. Um, so they ended up getting the sixth seed in the second wild card spot. Minnesota was a little bit, had a little bit of an easier path to the 
playoffs. They obviously came from the AL Central. They really weren't tested for any point throughout this year. They've kind of just kept the, under the radar for long extended periods of time. And, and now they're sitting here today and, and obviously the three seed heading into the playoffs. So, you know, as we look at the X factor here, what do you think that is going to be the biggest difference between which team comes out of this uh, wild card series, the winner? I hate to be me, but the biggest X factor is can the Twins win their first playoff game since 2004? This is a team that hasn't won a playoff game since 2004. Forget series. They haven't won a game in the playoffs since 2004. Like, it's going to be can can Minnesota kind of and, – and I know that it's obviously completely different rosters. you got a different manager in there. These guys don't know anything about the 2004 Twins that are on this team. They don't care, but the fans do, and that nervous energy in that ballpark is going to be there. And can they just kind of avoid what's happened to them? Now, a lot of those years, they were overmatched in wild card matchups against, you know, back when it was the one game. That handful of years was that one game. And I feel like they ended up being in New York every year playing the Yankees or in the DS playing the Yankees. And it was like, this is just not going to go well. And so for me, it's it's that. It's like, can Minnesota find a way to win, a, just win one. Like if they win game one in this series, it will be massive. Now, if you want to talk more baseball side of things, I think it's going to be Minnesota's offense, right? Can they generate against Toronto? Toronto, like we talked about last episode, is a scary team because they have, you know, what we believe to be the recipe to win this time of year. And so can Minnesota, you know, I think their pitching is going to be fine. I think they have the arms out of bullpen. They have one of the grossest closers in baseball. So can they, can the offense step up? Can Byron Buxton show up? Can, you know, can those guys string enough together? Can we see, you know, the, Carlos Correa wrist tapping Carlos Correa. Can we see that guy who's going to, who, who can change a playoff game with one swing of the bat? Like we talk about, can they have someone step up and do that? And that to me is going to be the biggest thing. The biggest X factor for me is the bridge to the ninth inning and which team is able to utilize their roster as best as possible to get to that ninth inning. That's the biggest thing. When you look at both of these rosters, they both kind of are similar in how they're built on the pitching front in the fact that they, in a three-game wildcard series, they're going to have one really good starting pitcher that's not going to throw at all. But And they both really do have pretty good ninth-inning relievers that can come in and dominate in stretches. But how do we get there? Right. Chris Paddock has been an absolute stud since he's come off the IL. He's been pumping 96. Is can he give you some length? Obviously, Joan Duran is one of the nastiest pitchers in baseball, but do you get length out of Kenta Maeda? Can you get length out of Joe Ryan in the bullpen in a game two and then kind of take your chances with a Kenta Maeda? And then on the opposite end of that is obviously we know Kevin Gosman, we know obviously Berrios, we know Kikuchi's been good, all of these guys like that. But is Hinjin Ryu able to give length to get to Romano? How do we get there? Does Kikuchi move to the pen and we take our chances with that? Does Barrios move to the pen? Bassett move to the pen? How do we balance this path to the ninth inning? Because outside of the ninth inning arms in both of these bullpens, there are question marks, right? There are opportunities for both really good offenses, right? Both have power. Both have star power. Both have these, these guys that can definitely impact the game with one swing of the bat. Are these offenses able to take advantage of those little holes in the bullpen? And how do we bridge the gap to the ninth inning? This series to me screams, screams similarly to to how that Toronto-Seattle series was where it's just back, forth, back, forth, score changes. You never know when a game is going to flip up on its head. And I could definitely see this series unfold in in a similar way. Who do you think the Twins go with game one, Lopez or, or Gray? got to be gray right how does it line up out because they've been able to set it up to it right i would say right. if that's the case probably sunny gray but i i wouldn't like it wouldn't you wouldn't pablo be making lopez the wrong 234 exactly. guys that's my thing is innings, man. pablo lopez in terms of dominance <laughs> has definitely has the right to be the guy in that in that inning or in that outing but sunny gray's pitching to like a Two six, two, like two seven nine to a three yeah. six six. So it's almost a run difference. But I'm, I'm, I think me and you both believe in the same things, and and I kind of set you up for that because I would go Pablo Lopez myself. 
you can't lose like in a you know in, a, in no. a single wild card it's a tough good. decision right yeah. you really can't lose here in terms that of okay game you, one Sonny is Gray so wins important. game one it is very important but with both teams that have depth like if you're if you told me it's like Sonny Gray Pablo Lopez Joe Ryan it's like I'm comfortable. I would with that. imagine that's what they're Pablo doing. Lopez, Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan. I'm I'm com- like either whoever starts, like you're confident and comfortable. It's not like you're it's not like Gaussman and Bassett, right? It's not like Gaussman's going two and Bassett's going one, right? Like it's not like the the creativity that Buck Walter tried to do with okay, we're gonna move DeGrom to game three and then ended up having a oh. like you know what I'm saying? Like that and Bassett was obviously ended up catching a stray and and that whole process of having to throw a, a very important game. In, you think he's but, sitting you think he's been sitting in the locker room like rock or uh <laughs> like looking at Schneider. Schneider, like don't 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 like, just, don't just play throw, any games. Throw goals just, in game. Just one. throw them. Just throw yeah. So I definitely think that you can't lose that way. Whereas like when you have a distinct difference between your top guys and, and then that, that next tier, you can overthink that. But where's your head at? I think this is going to be probably one of the tighter ones um, we see. But where, who do you think uh, pulls away with this one? This is so – I was hoping you'd go first here. This is so tough for me because this is so much of, of kind of my head versus my heart. Now, I, I think that this – this Minnesota offense is a little bit underrated. You know, they do have guys surprisingly that can, you know, they can jump shit when need be. I mean, they have a bunch of guys who have, you know, in the, in the like 15 to 25 Homer range, they have guys, you know, it's brutal. It's brutal. I I don't know. I think I'm going to, because I like this twins roster. I've liked this twins roster since spring training. They kind of unperformed what I underperformed what I thought they were going to do. I thought they were going to be much better. I thought they would be a low 90s win club. They didn't quite make it there. I'm going to go Toronto just because I think the – I mean, I really think Kevin Gaussman is one of the best pitchers in the league. And I, I, that lineup, man, that lineup, Springer and Bichette and Vlad and and, and even Matt Chapman will scare you, you know, because he can, he can threaten the fence. I know we only ended up with 17 homers, but Chapman can lose one. I just – I think Toronto – I know the bullpen concerns are there, but I think Toronto finds a way to do it. It's tough for me to say. I think, like you said, this is probably the tightest one in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I completely see how, how tough it could be. I'm, I'm just going to call a shot here. And the, the problem with the Twins lineup specifically and the reason why this team did underperform is because – First half of the season, you had underperformance from from Max Kepler, massive underperformance. He's been absolutely phenomenal since the turn of the break, obviously being able to get him. Byron Buxton's been MIA. They tried to get him off his feet. He was banged up, playing through injuries. They finally shut him down. Do we see him? I think we might. In the wild card, like that, these are questions that come up in a D in a DS. Yeah, definitely in a CS. The, like one hundred percent, he goes and plays center field. The guy for me is is where, put your money where your mouth is, right? Carlos Correa. Well, is he, he has even not healthy? shown up. <laughs> He's gonna play. He was dealing with dealing with plantar fasciitis, which I mean, for both those teams that walked away from those deals, they're not playing in the playoffs right now, but. Plantar fasciitis is definitely something that comes up for for a guy that's gonna kind of come up with some problems on a on a nice little physical. Physical, um, but we always make it about the Mets. Yeah, well, <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> you took a shot. Took yeah, a I did shot. take a shot. But can they get? Are those three guys going to be a in the Royce Lewis is the other guy. That's why I said three guys Are those three guys. Royce Lewis has been phenomenal for them. Are those three guys going to be healthy or productive, right? Like that, you can't just be healthy and then not like if Byron Buxton shows up and goes, Oh, for 12 in the three games, like it doesn't matter. You didn't help your team win. Right. And same thing with Carlos Correa and same thing with Royce Lewis. I'm going to take my shot and say that they are. I'm going to take my shot and say that because of their pitching depth, 
more than anything. Their pitching, starting pitching depth, their ability to move some guys around, the ability to trust a Kenta Maeda out of the pen, the ability to bring a Pablo Lopez in game two and just absolutely dominate, the ability to go with a Joe Ryan who really for the beginning first two months of the season looked like a potential future ace at a at at 27 years old. So I'm going to take my shot with the twins there, even though I think that the Blue Jays lineup is better as it stands right now. And Kevin Gaussman is the best pitcher in this series. And I think they have the best player in this series between Bichette and Vlad. But I'm going to take the fact that those three guys can come back, provide some form of a spark for the for the Twins and and make this a competitive series. And, and then they're able to flex their depth in late in game two into game three. I would uh, nothing would make me more happy than that. I want the twins to be successful so bad. I've liked yeah. this roster. I think I texted you in like January saying how much I like yeah. this roster. <laughs> and well, I mean, and then and think about like Royce, what they've gotten from Royce Lewis. How about Edward Julian? I mean, like Matt Walner has absolutely light tower pop. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is this roster hasn't been the roster as it was constructed, but no. they've still been really good. Like there, there's no, no denying like Joe Ryan's added the split and he's been – the ERA is a little ballooned, but like he's been really good, right? Outside of those couple bad starts before he went on the IL, came back pretty fresh and, and pitched well down the stretch. Sonny Gray has been an absolute stud this year. Pablo Lopez has, you know, he's a FIP legend, right? You know, if, if when it came to missing bats, walking hitters, and, and keeping the ball in the yard, he's done a great job. So you know he's capable of dominating. And Kenta Maeda in the second half has been great. So, yeah, I mean, the roster, but the offense hasn't been what it was constructed to be. No. And last thing, real quick, we need to move on. Dallas Keuchel doesn't make the wild card roster, right? No. <laughs> No, 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 no. Not even a question. He's he is there for the vibes. He is there for the vibes. He's gonna he's gonna be that um Phil Kessel just hightailed his way to a to a Stanley Cup as a healthy scratch the whole way. That's what Dallas Keuchel's gonna do, and then he's gonna be riding off into the sunset with a ring when when Minnesota wins it all. That's what he's hoping for. Right so as we head over to the a- other AL series, we're gonna head down south to Tampa St. Pete, and and we're gonna, we got the Texas Rangers who are unexpectedly heading to Tampa Bay. They're going to be in the sleepy trop. They got the early game on both days. How are they going to handle that, right? This is the first time this group's been in the playoffs. Tampa Bay and Kevin Cash have been in the playoffs multiple times over the last couple of years. Um, how is this Texas Rangers team going to handle that adversity that they've faced? They faced a lot of adversity this last couple these this last year. Um, they've handled it all and they've played good baseball when it matters most. But can this Texas Rangers team respond and beat the Tampa Bay Rays in a three-game series. <laughs> this is such a good question. I mean, the Rays, uh, you never know with the Rays. Like, the Rays got in last year, and they weren't – they, you know, they, they had to go to Cleveland, and it was a tight series where the offense just didn't show up. The pitching was dominant. If you remember, there were two really close games. The Guardians walked them off. And that's kind of what, like, the Rays just every year, they're in the playoffs. Here they are. Is the offense going to show up? Now, I think this is probably the best offense they've had since probably 2020 when it rose arena and they went on that run, and that was insane. But, you know, the last couple years, this is the best offense. So I think they're built a little bit more for it. But you look at this Rangers lineup, and again, talking about the recipe of the three-run long ball, they got a lot of guys who can do it. They got a lot of scary guys in that order from the top all the way through the, to the bottom of the order. They can they can lose the baseball. I think, to me, if you're looking for an X factor, it's going to come down to to the Rangers pitching. I mean, I think it's, it's you know, you bring in DeGrom in the offseason, you give them all that money because we're ready to start competing, and they did that for sure, but they did it without DeGrom. And they so we're going to go ahead and we're going to replace DeGrom with Max Scherzer, his former teammate, and then Scherzer's out. And I – I, I, what's the update on him? He'd be back for the DS or he might be back. For, I think they're going to try and might get him be. back for the DS potentially. Be, yeah. um, so I think he's definitely out for this round. And so a lot falls now on, 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 you know, Nathan Avaldi and, and he is going to be the guy for them. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do beyond Avaldi. They have options, you know, Jordan Montgomery, 
is, is doing he's the same thing he did. It's, it's the same story as last year, right? And then, I, you know, we didn't even get to see this. The Cardinals, Ali Marmol didn't even run him out there. I think he came out of the bullpen in that wild card series. But, you know, so a lot falls on John Gray's shoulders. So to me, honestly, it's crazy because you'd imagine that Kevin Cash is going to counter with Glasnow. And you never know. Like, it could be – you never know what the Rays are cooking up. They're in it. Like you could see 12 outs of glass now, and then they're just going to, you know, they have a, they have an idea to go with this, these four relievers afterwards. So it's going to be interesting. I, 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 I don't, this is going to be another tough one to pick. Um, but I really think that if John Gray can come out and, or I'm sorry, Nathan Avaldi can come out and, and kind of pitch to his capabilities. I like the Rangers a little bit. What's your, what's your pick? This is so tough because this is two times in a row that like I want to pick with my heart so bad. Like I obviously really like the Rays. I'm gonna go Rays. I I I I just think that I I don't know how they're gonna score <laughs> enough to win this series. I, I just want them after everything they've been through, losing the arms they've lost this year, for them to still be sitting here was it 98, 99 wins that they they had to be sitting here going into the you know hosting a playoff series. They lose their superstar. I think Kevin Cash, they find a way to get it done. I think the Rangers are going to struggle to pitch. I don't know why. I just have a feeling. I think the smart play here is the Rangers, though. Well, I booed you because I was going to pick the Rays, and now we're, well, I was trying to, I was hoping you were going to save the board there. But, I mean, I'll paint you this picture. You lose Jeffrey Spring, Shane McClanahan, and Drew Rasmussen for the year. No one going survives up- that. You're going up against a, another playoff team, and you still have a significant starting pitcher advantage in Tyler Glass now, Zach Eflin, Aaron Safali, Safali, who's been an absolute revelation with them, and also not to mention you just have a stud with elite stuff and Taj Bradley sitting there waiting to, to add some length. Not to mention the bullpen of everybody. We don't need to name names at this point in time. Their lineup is going to make things very, very hard on the Rangers pitching staff, and I don't see them getting enough outs when it matters most or having the length to get consistent outs to make it not matter, right? Like Jordan Montgomery's been great, and and I think he's a fine starter, but he has to go up against Yanni Diaz who clobbers left-handed pitching. Randy Arozarena, who clobbers left-handed pitching. And and Manny Margot, who's really good against left-handed pitching. And then there's this young guy who was born in 2003 sitting there in Junior Caminero, who's a right-handed hitter with absolute light tower power. So how are you going to get around this, right? How are you going to get through that lineup? And then they go with a Nathan Eovaldi, and then Kevin Cash is able to deploy the lefty army, right? Josh Lowe and and all these guys that do that. Like, where do you go from there? And and I just don't I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening with enough consistency for them to get and, enough and, outs. And and I think the Rays I think the Rays take this, and I think the the Rangers kick themselves over over celebrating a day early because I guarantee they'd rather be resting up their guys oh, and, sure. and trying to get shirts or healthy for a DS and, and hoping that he can, he can go put the Cape on and, and carry him. And, and the Ranger, I just, the Rangers bullpen, it scares me. Chapman has not been good since he's come over. I don't you know who they Will could Smith use? Is good. Edwin Cole Reagan's. Oh, Cole Reagan's. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, oh, that's so mean. I, the move, I liked the move when they made it. I oh yeah, yeah they could use. We all Rangers. did. We but all did, but they Chapman just has not know. been good. The Rangers have blown so many saves. Like that scares me in the playoffs too. I'm oh, glad yeah. we agree. Yeah, no, I, I'm not glad we agree. I was hoping we're because I know we're going to agree on this last one. Um, so as we go to the last series here, um, you know what, Dan? I'll just I'll give you the floor. Um, it's your team. It's your favorite team. They're they're going against your mortal enemy. I think you you hate them more than you hate anything um, in this world. So the floor is yours. What's the X factor in this series? Yeah, Phillies Marlins here. Um, 
The X factor to me is Luis Arias. He's taken one at bat. He's been dealing with an ankle injury. I think he's had one at bat in the last 10 days. Um, how healthy is he? The Marlins are going to need him to be a table setter in this series. I think he's going to play. I think he's going to gut through it. Um, you know, they can DH him if they have to. He, he doesn't move that well at second base anyway, let's be honest. Um, so I think he'll probably play. And, and he's if the Marlins are going to win, win this series, you know, they're going to have to have a playoff performance in a series. And if they want to go deep in this, they're going to have to have someone step up and just be unbelievable and just have, you know, the type of postseason that we talk about a couple of years from now. And Arise is the guy to do it. Arise has great numbers against the Phillies this year. The Marlins won the season series against the Phillies this year. Um, and of the teams competing, they're the only that were competing for to get into these last wildcard spots. They're the only team that won the season series against the Phillies. So I think this is, you know, I, I think if Arias, you know, that's the path to victory. The path to victory is, is a couple of these Philly star bats are, are cold. Schwarber doesn't do what he does. Harper reverts back to early in the season Harper and Aaron Nola continues to struggle. Those are kind of the, the path to success. That's how the upset quote unquote happens for the Marlins here is, is you get just unbelievable, you know, play out of Arias and a couple other guys. So loses one in a big spot, you know, and it can happen. Yeah. I think the X factor here is talent. Um, and talent alone. I, I, and I don't even mean that in a joking way. I know it can come off as that. But Kyle Schwerber, Nick Castellanos, Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Alec Baum, JT Real Muto, Bryson Stott, Brandon Marsh, or Luis Arias, Jake Berger, Josh Bell, John Birdie, Jorge Soler, Jazz Chisholm, Brian Daly, like, yeah. yeah, like good, like, Good. I'm not taking anything away from that that team, that lineup. I think they've done a very good job of putting them in a position. But then we transition over to the mound, and, and you've talked about it plenty of times. Everybody in the Phillies bullpen, Dave Dombrowski's in love with guys who throw 100, and that's a pretty good thing to be in love with. And every guy throws 100. There's question marks. How do you get to Tanner Scott? Tanner Scott's been really good this year. Is A.J. Puck able to kind of revert back to the beginning of the year? Is, Tan- is David Robertson able to go to Matt's David Robertson? What do we get from that end? And, and that's why I – you know, I, I think it's the Phillies. I think it's the Phillies. And, and I want to say they're going to kind of make it easy in terms of playoff terms, quote unquote, close games, but, but not sweating it. But I just, I think this Phillies team is good. I talked about how they don't have questions. I talked about how they question marks, they don't have holes. And, and I really just feel like this Phillies team um, is just better. I, I just think they're more talented. And I think that pays off in, in the most important games. But what, what do you say there? You're going to get so mad at me. I got the Marlins winning this series. Um, Stop it, you liar. That'll include this episode of the Backside (laughs) Ground Balls podcast. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. You got 30 seconds before I click the end button for for this blasphemy that you're pulling out. I I, I think Jesus Lazardo matches up really well with this Phillies lineup. Two of the Phillies' best power hitters are are swinging from the left side in in Schwarber and Harper. I think you then get another tough lefty in game two in Braxton Garrett. And then Edward Cabrera, who's kind of a wild card, but if he's in the strike zone, he has dominating stuff. And this lineup gave the Phillies pitching staff specifically – Tons of fits for all 13 games this year. That's how they won the series against the season series against them. And look, I, if a team gets in with a negative 56 run differential, something weird's going on. And so I'm I'm inclined to pick them. I I, I think they're going to win this series in three. Um, and I'm probably one of the only people who's picking them. So I'll be yeah I'll be sure. Happy. Well, you're just one of those people. You you just set yourself up for a win-win. Marlins win. You can come on here and say you were right. And if the Marlins don't, I win, will you not could, be happy coming on here saying you I'm could right, celebrate but for as a the fan. <laughs> not to mention the the weird stuff happening. Yeah, you're probably the same guy who every time the Marlins make well, they've every time they've made it past the wild card series, they've won the World Series. So, I dude. I didn't even know that. <laughs> Yeah, because they made the playoffs like three times in the history of their organization. They won two World Series, and the other time they made the playoffs was the COVID year. So I don't even know if it counts. Like I knew you were going to get everybody mad at made this. the playoffs. I knew you were going to get mad at this. 
This is. I, I mean, it's just like I said. You you skated your way. You're going to be able to celebrate as a fan, and and at least you could say when you when you come on here on whatever day, whenever we get on here next, and if the Marlins win, you could be like, you know, I just saw how the lefties matched up, and and I know you don't. I know your gut doesn't believe it, but we'll let you have it here. And and everybody to all our listeners, that'll be the last thing that we let Dan say on this podcast um, because he just. I can't believe he just did that to to everybody. But um, enjoy the playoff series. Enjoy the wild card. We're going to be with you through every step. We're obviously going to be dialed in and, and watching everything that goes on. But thank you to all our listeners for tuning in as that will conclude our episode for today. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on all podcast platforms, including Apple Pods, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcast. We post episodes weekly. We're going to try to come to you two times a week through the playoffs, uh, always hitting your feet at 7 a.m. sharp. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BacksideGB, Instagram at BacksideGroundBalls, and TikTok at BacksideGroundBall. And most importantly, make sure you're sharing with five friends, and we'll see you next time on the Backside Ground Balls podcast. Mm-hmm.